Last time on a little bit of anime, Monica returned to help Elijah discuss the anime you picked for him. Baby home tutors, psycho passing police, fratty princesses, hygiene, and a devil that is a part-timer were not the only exciting things that happened during the show. New sponsors, Dr. O and G-Resto Gundam Park Scavengers entered the show. Join us this week as the anime journey continues. And welcome back to a little bit of anime. And I'm Elijah Bailey, frequent anime watcher and podcaster extraordinaire. And this week, Monica, sadly, again, is missing. Uh, she shortchanged the G-Resto Gundam Scavengers, and they're making her work off the parts that she took. No, uh, actually, she's at one of our friend Daniel Roberts' uh, birthday party out in the cabin, out in the woods. Um, she had made this previous engagement and, for- and forgot about it, as Monica does most things, but uh, she couldn't be here this week. So instead of changing up anything, we're going to finish up what we started last week. We have all of these different anime given to us by you the listeners caleb aldane black nerd squad the extraordinary journey of a black nerd um kennedy parker uh jacob griffin so we're just going to kind of keep on or i say we i'm going to keep on uh in place of nikki and go over these shows now uh if you aren't listening uh, then go ahead and write this down take a note or better yet go ahead and just do this now uh subscribe to iTunes, so that way you can listen to this show on a regular basis. We, we're a bi-weekly show, 45-minute podcast about anime, all things anime, from industry to the anime that we watch ourselves. And, and again, like I said, we get recommendations from you guys. Um, but also subscribe to our YouTube page. Now, on YouTube, we have the anime mentioned. So if you look into our description, uh, there's always the anime that we mentioned throughout the show, uh, at least the first episode or a trailer if it's available, depending on what time of the year it is, what season it is. Um, then we also have podcast episodes and we have the anime watch swap anime. And what I try to do is put the first episode in sub and dub so that way you can see it whichever way you prefer. Um, but make sure to subscribe on YouTube, leave comments, like same thing on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Those ratings really help us move up the charts. They make sure that iTunes know that we love what we do, and we love to hear from you guys. So last thing before we get started, make sure that you are following us on Instagram and Twitter. We have giveaways. We have videos. We have pictures. We have comments and conversations with uh, everybody in our group. That's at BitOAnime on Twitter and Instagram. And last but not least, follow us on Facebook uh, at a little bit of anime. All you have to do go in there like the page and you get everything that we post uh also if you are trying to send in something and you don't want to use social media uh you don't want to use the messenger on facebook or twitter or anything like that send it to lil l-i-l dot bit dot o dot anime at gmail.com and we will get your email and we will answer those questions or we might even have you on the show um our first contest winner was kendy parker and she gets an autograph poster of me and uh monica but she also is going to be on the show in December. Uh, the next giveaway that we have, nobody has answered, nobody's replied yet. It was a three-way battle between Dark Gundam from G Gundam, uh, Liger from Zoids, and then also Voltron from, of course, Voltron. Who would win in that uh, battle of mechs? Go ahead and send that in to us so that way we can pick a winner. And we're also trying to work with the guys from Screw Attack to see if they will actually do an animated version of that. So now that I've said all that, we hit seven episodes or seven anime last week uh this week we have the asterisk war which was also given to me by valerie who came in sub for uh monica parasite lensman the secret of the lens orange road ova 
Um, the, and all of these shows are the first four episodes. Uh, Beautiful Bones, My Hero Academia, and then Tokyo Ghoul. So thank you uh, to everybody that sent in anime, all the friends that support us. And again, like I said, um, the Black Nerd Squad, the Extraordinary Journey of a Black Nerd Groups on Facebook, OKC Podcast Community, Podcasting Smarter, Caleb Haldane from Red Six Golden Corral, Candy Parker from uh, Shut Up and Take My In Podcast, uh, you know, Jeremy, uh, Jacob, Alex, all you guys. Thank you guys for actually you know, engaging with us on social media. It's hard to get people to talk to you about what they want because we're very visual and everybody just wants to see what's out there without replying. But thank you guys. Um, Most of these shows I had not watched. So it gave me a better perspective of different genres of anime from different time periods, early 90s, uh, 2015, early to 2004 so thank you guys again for sending in all these anime i'm really excited to get started with this um it's just so exciting to have people engage and interact with you and give you stuff that you never would have thought of or never heard of and it's just interesting to see what you guys watch compared to what i watch so without further ado i want to get to not only our sponsorship but these awesome shows we were sent uh first one is actually from an anime watch swap uh that valerie hamanrati who was a guest on episode five talking about harem uh, anime came back on episode six to cover for Monica and we talked about mechs and school life anime. She gave me the Ashgris Wars, which is a harem anime. That's our specialty. Um, so I'll give you the layout of the show and then tell you just a little bit about it, how I felt about it. Uh, in the 20th century, an impact event called Invertia leads to the destruction of the Earth's numerous cities. In response to the declining economy, the Integrated Enterprise Foundation comes up with this event, which is supposed to organize to uh, by the world's leaders. Uh, the parallel city of Rikia, also known as Astris, has six academies which holds tournaments called fiestas between humans and superpowers called Genestil. Jen Estella. Uh, Sidokan Academy becomes the fifth highest ranking academy in Asterisk. So our main character, Ayoto uh, Amagiri at Genestella, is determined to investigate the disappearance of his sister, Haruka. On his first day as a student, he encounters the uh, Lestelliana Princess, which is always hard for me to pronounce, uh, Julius Alexia von Rainsfield. Uh, Ayoto Ayato is forced to uh, duel with her, and so this leads to the student council president, Claudia Enfield. Uh, She voids the duel and transfers Ayato to their academy. And his initial um, business there, again, like like I said, was to find his sister. So this duel happens because Ayato is walking down the sidewalk next to the girls' dormitory. A handkerchief comes out onto the ground. He grabs it, and because they have this new generation of metahumans, um, and this is all caused by a meteor crash on their planet, and that's what led to that. That was the catastrophic event. So this next generation can use powers, and it almost seems like a video game, like a circle comes out from behind them where they can get their tool or their weapon, or it comes out underneath them, and they can charge up based off what their specialty is. He jumps three stories up into... Um, Julius window and of course as in any anime especially harem she's getting dressed she screams he says, oh my god I'm so sorry turns his head away and says this fell out of your window I was just returning it she looks and she says, oh my god thank you so much this is my treasure and that is when everything hits the fan because after she gets that back she gets really pissed off and the next thing you know a ring comes out from underneath her and bam the windows blow out he jumps down to the ground She's already dressed, and she jumps down and says, this can't be forgiven. So now we already know that uh, she has a power as well. So everybody in this community has powers. Uh, The duel that we speak of in the very first episode, they're going back and forth. 
nobody really knows who Ayato is. In the very opening scenes of episode one, his sister is dueling somebody. I mean, you have no idea who she is until he says he's looking for a sister and it does some flashbacks. But she has glasses on, she has a saber, and she is battling this big, strong ox. But, I mean, it is one of the best fight scenes I have seen at the beginning of a show um, in quite a while with weapons and with a little bit of magic or sorcery just because they have, you know, this mana now. And so they go through the duel. Um, Ayato, somebody throws a weapon to him because you find out this is his first time. He doesn't know about duels. He doesn't know about anything. But Julius is going to make him fight because he disgraced her by seeing her, her in her underwear. And so he gets a saber thrown at him, and he's fighting. And basically he's just blocking everything she's throwing at him, and she's kind of boastful. She's like, I'm number fifth at this school. You know, I'm the strongest or I'm getting ready to go into the asterisk war. So, you know, this will be over quickly, but you must pay for your consequences. And it struck me as kind of weird that she would just jump to this. You could tell that her personality is, she's very guarded, very uh, sheltered on some things, but as soon as something happens, she overreacts. Ayato's just sitting there blocking. People are watching like, oh my God, he's blocking, you know, one of the best around. So what's going on? And you see this glimmer in his eye, like there's something that he's hiding in reserve. And right before he looks like he's getting ready to release some, you know, some kind of energy or see what his mana is, somebody fires an arrow from the cloud. He, uh, crowd, he notices, he jumps on uh, Julius and block and, you know, knocks her down, saves her life. And then she's kind of upset because they were having this duel, um, but he saved her. And she kind of realized, like, man, he was kind of dodging my attacks and hitting me with stuff. And it, and, and it kind of starts turning in her head. But Claudia comes up and says, this duel is void because he's not even a student yet. He needs to come back to my office and talk to me. And that's where everything ensues. Uh, Julius already has this interaction. He's seen her in her underwear. And he's somebody that she has no knowledge of but can defend most of her attacks. And he noticed something that she didn't notice and saved her. So she's got a little bit of a fatuation. Claudia is a blonde-haired, buxom um, character in the show. Nobody knows what her mana is until until you get about to the fourth episode. And she brings him back to the office and said, oh, I just wanted to, you know, I really didn't need to avoid that duel. But what is your purpose here? We need people that are strong to get us to the Asterix Wars because if you win in the Asterix Wars against, it's like the society picks all these kids from these academies. Whoever wins, they get their wish granted. And all he says is, I want to know where my sister is. Do you have any database or any record of my sister being here? And that's where the plot starts. It starts you down this rabbit hole of what happened to his sister and how come nobody knows about her. She's not in the database, but the weapon that he says she used was rented out from the school. And that's what happened. Every student gets to... You, and you find this out a little bit later. They get to go pick a weapon, but the weapon has to be compatible. It's like a compatibility chart, like 36 compatibility. And the weapon has like a spirit of its own or the mana that surrounds them can interact with that weapon. And the whole show is you're, you're just finding out more about Ayato and his sister and what his power is because he fights without using it. And he stands up to the bullies and he plays mind games. He's very intelligent, but nobody really knows where he's from. And uh, my whole overall thought for Asterisk Wars was I love the artwork. I love the amount of drama. I, I'm engaged in this harem because it's action-based. And it just kept pulling at me like I want to know what happened to his sister. And I want to know who this guy is. The mysterious fighters are the ones that I'm drawn to when I'm watching anime. And then also uh, as the show progresses, because we're on the four-episode rule, uh, he meets another girl that he used to go to school with. 
And then she starts getting jealous of Julius, and that's when the harem starts building. Those two are fighting over him. Sometimes Claudio does something that's sexual, and he's like, well, what are you doing? He gets real embarrassed because, you know, this is our, this is our straight-laced character. So uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I give Asterisk Wars like a 9.5 just because I'm only four episodes in, and it's pulled me in. I love the fact that there's mana, that there's uh, super-powered people in there. I love the fact that there's a reason why we're having – or there's a reason that they gave us why they're having these wars. And, again, it's it's a school life, sci-fi, magic, action, adventure uh, anime. So go check that one out. I really love it. there's just something about that anime that just drew me in. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, from the first episode, you know, I, if you guys don't know, I have two German Shepherd, half Australian Shepherd puppies at the house. So when I'm trying to watch stuff and especially read subs, I mean, they're only seven months. So I have to stop every now and then. I don't get to enjoy it. But I kept going back. And so go ahead and give it a look. Again, like I said, I watched it on Crunchyroll. Um, I think I found all these uh, anime on Crunchyroll, except for some of them you had to find on YouTube or Kiss Anime because they're either old or you can't really find them anywhere. All right, now I want to keep going because I enjoyed that show. Go find it, watch it on Crunchyroll. The next one was actually from Mr. Caleb Haldane. I didn't get to this one. was Lensman, Secret of the Lens. And there's two movies. There's Lensman, The Power of the Lens, which I think is the prequel to this one, and Lensman, Secret of the Lens. This was July 7, 1984. Uh, it's 107 minutes. It was, it was in Japan. Um, and it's, the production company is Madhouse, MK Production. So uh, you can find this one on Hulu, the full episode, both you can find actually both uh, movies. Um, and Lensman was just kind of interesting because I never heard of it before, but it put, took me back to a place like old Transformers uh, movies and stuff like that. So I, I was really compelled to watch it. It was, it was just a little bit different, though. Um, the story is about a dying Lensman who transfers his lens to a young man named uh, Kenneball Kenson. And they call him Ken for short. Um, uh, Ken is sin. My bad. I messed that up. Uh, to his best knowledge, Ken wasn't aware of how big the responsibilities of holding the lens was. The lens contains vital information that would enable the galactic patrol to face the deadly DNA weapons created by Boskano uh, in- Empire. The Arisians initially were the ones who created the lens in order to stand up to the evil Adorians, because in spite of their great power, they alone cannot vanquish the Adorian menace. Through the lens, the lensmen's minds were merged with the cosmic consciousness of Arisia. Uh, on the other side, the Lord Helmuth, the ruthless, merciless Boskin leader, who would not stop at anything to get his hands on the lens. So, I mean, really, it's 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 a coming of age anime. Uh, Ken is getting ready to leave in outer space. And like I said, I watched a little bit of the power of the lens and that really explained the, the Adorians and the Arisians, how they're two different galaxies, always at constant battle. And these lensmen are used to help the Arisians defeat the evil because it's a little bit too strong. So Ken is leaving very first day he's leaving. His dad is getting ready to die because there's a ship that's heading straight for his form. And the dad is like, you know what? I can't do anything about this. You go off, be happy. Don't worry about me. Ken being the kid he is and he loves his dad. He gets out of this old junker spaceship that he was getting ready to leave on, flies his little space cruiser over. And it reminds me of the space cruisers that the, um, the mutants used on Thundercats. But he flies over to the spaceship in space. He meets this lensman who, who transfers this lens to him, who, who's talking to him and everything, and he starts to land the, the spaceship. Now, as the spaceship starts landing, uh, the lensman tells him to come here, and then this figure comes out, and he hears this woman's voice. Boom, he looks down at his hand, and there's this round lens on his hand. He lands the ship, 
his dad's like, thank you, Ken. Are you all right? Are you all right, Kim? He was like, yeah, but this guy needs help. They go on the ship. They touch the guy's body. He's like, this guy's cold. He's been dead for an hour. And he's like, how can that be? That guy was just talking to me. And from there, the journey ensues. So Kim travel his his whole deal is his dad used to be with the space patrol so his dad knows what the honor is to be a lensman but you you've never seen a lens be transferred from person to person so his dad's like you have a job here you need to go get that to HQ as soon as that happens the lens was act the lens was activated on Kim's hand and the evil galactic emperor sends his guys to earth what i'm assuming is earth and again they're going to destroy the whole planet trying to get him and his dad um, in you know, being the patrolman he used to be, has Kim go up with his friend in their spaceship to get away, and the dad drives the old the the one that they're tracking that had the old lensman on it that Kim landed, and again you know sacrifices himself and dies. So right off the bat, Kim was going off an adventure. He has this big responsibility to get the lens to HQ. His father dies, his planet's destroyed, and he has to find his way. And it's about him fighting the uh, Adorian uh, Emperor and Lord. Um, just to get the lens back into the right hand. So he takes on this huge responsibility as a kid. And for me, it kind of took me, like I said, back to the old Transformer days. I enjoyed it, but the artwork didn't keep my attention. There were times where I was turned away, and luckily it was dubbed over. Um, but I was turned away just listening to it. I wasn't really visually stimulated by it. But, I mean, it's a good watch. It shows you how far we've come with animation and how and how story and plots are driven. I think it had a lot of fast action parts and then a long, drawn-out story and then fast action parts trying to, you know, once you start losing that attention span, it tries to pick you back up. Um, but it was interesting. You can see most of the archetypes and most most of the tropes in anime in this movie that they still use today, like the older guy, almost like Master Roshi, instead of being a horn dog he is a party animal he's real wild and crazy likes to start fights you have a guy it's almost like star wars too you have a, a character like barf from um barf or chewy from star wars um and he just goes around he's always into fighting but he's a loyal friend and then uh kim finds another lensman along the way and it's just a very compelling journey um i would check that out like i said i found lensman power of the lens i think that would give you more explanation to this second movie uh and they're on youtube so lensman power of the lens and the one that i watched that what caleb haldane referred to was lensman secret of the lens um and with that we're going to hear from our very first sponsor Hey everybody, this is Elijah Bailey, one of your hosts of the Superpower Movie Podcast. Just urging you to go out right now and subscribe on iTunes. It makes it easier for you to listen to the podcast because as soon as it drops, it'll automatically notify you. Also, rate and review because that helps others find the podcast that you love. If you do not have an iOS device, go to Podbean right now and click that heart button to follow the show right there. Now, the fun doesn't stop there. Go to Twitter or Instagram and follow at SPM underscore podcast to see all of our pictures and the conversations we have with other fans of the show and follow us on our official Facebook page at super powered movie podcast. And if you have anything that you want to send us an email, send it to SP movie podcast at gmail.com. Have you always wanted to be a hero, but didn't possess the skills necessary to save anyone, let alone yourself? Well, come on down to All Might's Gym for the Corpus to find your inner hero. Training consists of cleaning your local beach or park, increasing your calorie intake by eating around the clock, running through the park, and gathering data on the latest villains in your area. To apply, go online to www.oneforall.com. Ah, ha, 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 ha. 
Man, I love our sponsors. A sponsor for My Hero Academia. Who would have thought we could have got All Might to give that sponsorship? And he's just a great guy. You can't really see his eyes, but you see that big smile. He always laughs, and the dude can fill out a shirt, man. I mean, it makes me envious. I'm in the gym every single week, and I don't fill out clothes that way. So thank you again, uh, My Hero Academia, All Might Gym. I think I'm going to go down there. I don't know if I'm getting the results that I, that I should be getting from Gold's Gym. Uh, not saying anything towards the gym, but I've seen what he could do. Um, our next show, or the next um, anime that I watched was Parasite, which was actually picked from uh, the Black Nerd Squad. So thank you guys. This is one that I actually watched, and I rewatched it again just because it was so compelling. I actually got my wife to start watching this. Uh, Parasite centers on a 17-year-old man named Sunichi. Uh, and you know, and not a man, but a male, he's still in school, um, high school, 17. I I guess that was pretty self-explanatory saying he's 17, but he lives with his mother and father in a quiet neighborhood in Tokyo. One night, a worm-like creature called parasites appear on earth and they come down in like green spores, green glowing spores. And what they do is they take over the brains of their human hosts by entering through their ears or noses. One parasite attempts to crawl in Seiichi's ear while he sleeps, but fails as Seiichi is wearing headphones. And he tries to burrow in, uh, entering his nose. That wakes Seiichi up. He sneezes, and he sees it on the bed. He's like, oh, my God, it's a snake, and he starts screaming. Once uh, that happens, he's looking on his bed. He can't find any more. It's on his keyboard on his desk, and it jumps at his hand and barrels into his hand. Um, now what happens is he just starts screaming and screaming. His parents wake up. They come in. What's wrong, Saichi? He's like, oh, my God, there's a snake here, and he's tying off his arm with his headsets. Uh, or the cord for his headset. His arm is getting ready. He's like, yeah, there was a snake here. Look what it did to my hand. There's a hole right there. Parents, look, there's no hole. So the next thing you know, he wakes up the next morning. His parents ask him about, like, were you having a bad dream or what happened? He's like, I don't know. I thought I thought there was a snake. I didn't see it again. He's eating breakfast like normal, but his right arm, the, the snake, the snake with air quotes, buried in, boiled into, is feeling weird. So he's squeezing his hand and open and squeezing it. He goes to school. He meets up with one of his friends, uh, which is a female. She comes talk to him, like, how are you doing? He's like, I don't, I'm you know, doing pretty good. Next thing you know, he looks down, and he's grabbing her boo with his hand. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And she slaps him in the face. Another girl that's his friend say, like, you, you, you know, really deserve that. You shouldn't be grabbing on people. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And she asks him if he's all right. And she's like, I'll see if I can get her to forgive you. Um, because, it, you know, it's that childhood friendship. Like, I know you don't like me. I might like you, but I'm not going to mess this up because I know you like this girl. And so he goes to class. All day through class, he's kind of lackluster, tired, and he keeps on looking at his hand. So for the whole first day, he just keeps looking at his hand and moving it around and squeezing it and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. Uh, The next day he wakes up and he hears, I failed. He's like, oh, who's there? And he doesn't see anybody. And he looks down and his hand has eyes and a mouth on it. And his hand is basically baby talk, like, I fail, sorry blah, blah, blah. And he's just like freaking out. He doesn't know what's going on. He's looking around. And over the course of time, I don't want to give too much away, his hand or the parasite uh, learns to speak correctly. So while he's sleeping, it's reading his all the books in his room, learning English, going online, typing stuff. And you find out that his hand got completely eaten. This parasite's taken over. Now what their mission is, is again, to take over the human host brain. And um, you hear that in the show, the human race is inefficient. And so you're sitting like inefficient. 
well, I guess humans are just hurting themselves and these parasites are instinctual. So it's uh, survival of the fittest. So if they run into a narrow, another parasite, their instinct is to fight if they feel threatened. Um, and it's all about self-preservation. So whenever something happens to Saichi or is going to happen to Saichi, uh, the parasite, who he ends up uh, calling Migi, um, ends up protecting him. So the first run-in they have with another parasite is a dog parasite. So if a parasite burrows into the head of a human, it eats other humans. If it burrows into the head of a dog, it eats other dogs, and so on and so forth. So the whole concept of the show is the parasite is instinctual, and it's all about self. So it's willing to sacrifice and slaughter and kill humans. Saichi's parasite is in his arm and receives food through the stuff that he eats, through his bloodstream. So he doesn't need to kill humans, but the other parasites are mass murdering people. So with Saichi's um, morality and sense of valor, he is out on a mission to save humans from these other parasites. But some of them have been in human hosts for a long time. They've studied everything. They're super intelligent. Some of them are super instinctual and are just on a war path to kill. So he has to deal with that. And the first four episodes really pull you into Saichi's plight. Like, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation where I can't tell anybody because if I tell anybody, either this parasite or another parasite will kill them because it's all about self-preservation. If they tell, then they're going to take me along with this parasite and start studying us. If I die, the parasite dies. And so it's this long struggle that Saichi has on how do I help this parasite, but also how do I help myself? My arm is, his arm is gone now. So what, what's the next step for me? What do I do? Um, Parasite for me is a 10. Uh, it's a, a thriller. It's a horror. It's an action-based intellectual uh, de- um, anime. Uh, I give it a 10. I give it a pass. Um, I like the art style. I like the concept. I like the thought process. It was something that really grabbed me and I gravitated to the first time I watched it. Um, and it's always I always give it a plus if my wife can watch it because my wife's very selective about anime especially anime that are longer than 12 minutes. So we like, we watch a lot of shorts, but this is a great show. Uh, I watched it on Crunchyroll. You can find the episodes on YouTube, Funimation, uh, Kiss Anime. You can find this uh, show anywhere, Parasite the Maxim. It is a very good anime, so go ahead and watch that. Make sure that um, anytime that you're watching these anime, just remember where you got it from. Please subscribe on iTunes, uh, uh, follow on Facebook, Podbeam, uh, because we're going to keep giving you more anime to watch. And if you haven't seen it or you don't have any one of these forums, go to our official YouTube page and subscribe because we will be talking more about them and have at least the first episode up there so you can watch that. Speaking of Parasite, uh, just kind of changed things up a little bit from a horror one. I got this one from Kennedy Parker, who, again, like I said, won our our uh, giveaway and is also going to be on the show. It was uh, This one is just like uh, Lensman, The Secret of the Lens that Caleb Haldane gave me. I didn't really know about it, but it's Orange Road OVA, which is a romantic comedy-type anime. And it's it's interesting because it almost reminds me of Mob Psycho 100 just a little bit. Um, I think this is actually like a 1983, 1984 anime and uh, manga when it first came out. But it follows these two brothers. Um, Kiyosuke is one of the male uh, antagonists, and he's in love triangle with his sibling. And both of them have superpowers referred to in the series as the the power and its espers. Uh, they are forbidden from using their powers in public, you know, because they don't want to be discovered and exploited. But in each instance where someone has actually seen them use their powers, the family has relocated. So the very first episode that I saw, they were on a plane relocating to the beach. Um, and it's just interesting because their powers include 
they did teleportation, telekinesis, and time slipping. And it's just it's just crazy that you have two supernatural brothers that are in love triangles that have to keep relocating, and that's that's basically the premise of the story. Now, Kyosuke is pretty gentle, but he's also uh, goody good. He's a goody two shoes, and so that kind of gets on his um, brother's nerves. Um, when he sees his brother uh, smoking, he skull, or I mean, not his brother, but when he sees uh, Madoka, and Madoka is secretly in love with Kyosuke and is best friends with uh, Haruku, who is also in love with uh, Kyosuke. So it's 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 just a crazy crazy show. Somebody's in love with somebody every single time. The artwork is really reminiscent of Ranma One Half. Uh, a little bit of Lupin the Third as well, but the show is is intriguing in the fact that you have this show that is based off a love triangle with supernatural siblings, and then the women that love them, and then relocation. So it's like almost like a villain. If we're talking about American comics, Western comics, a villain of the week, it's almost like a love triangle of the week. What is this situation? What's going to happen with these brothers? Um, and they're pretty short episodes. Now, the only place that I could actually find this to watch, I mean, if you try to look on YouTube, you'll find it in uh, Espanol. So if you speak Spanish, that's good for you. Um, You'll find it in Italian as well, but I found it on Kiss Anime. That's where I watched it. So, um, you know, if you want to get that touch from a little bit of anime, go to Kiss Anime to watch Orange Road OVA. I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would from the artwork and then see him on the plane and I'm like, mm, I, I don't really know what's going on. Um, but let's let's run through the characters because the characters really – I had to go back and watch it just to get – everybody's information. So you have Kyosuke uh, Kasuga, who's one of the siblings. You have Madoka, like I said, Ayukawa. Then you go down and you have, uh, I mentioned the love triangle with Hikaru Hiyama. Um, and it's initially presented as being um, unpleasant and a brawler and a tough talker, uh, more so than Madoka. But once she becomes friends with Kyosuke, that's where that love interest begins. So like I said, that triangle between Kyosuke, Madoka, and then Hikaru. Then you have uh, Kyosuke's uh, younger sisters, uh, Manami, I do believe. Yeah, Manami. And then you also have um, his sister's twin sister is Kurami. So you have all these different characters, almost like a harem. Um, and then you also have the, you know, the father, and when it comes to to parents in an anime, it changes the dynamic drastically, especially when they have roles to play, kind of like Kill a Kill. But uh, Takashi is their father, and then Akime is the mother. Um, and then you also have uh, Kuwasaku's uh, grandparents in the show, too. So it's just like a full-range cast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's kind of hard to recall some of the stuff because it's an older anime, and... Uh, trying to compare it to Mob Cycle 100 and Ronma One Half and Lupin the Third kind of gets me jumbled up. But I did enjoy the show. For me, it's probably like a six, you know, barely above a five, just because I feel like I've seen some of that story with Ronma One Half, and it could just be nostalgia on my part. But I do not want to discourage anybody from watching this show because I was pleasantly surprised by the aspect of supernatural family, relocation, love triangles. Um, 
and it, it holds uh, I think it holds up to the test of time with the, the way that the plot and story is driven and it's just goofy it's a romantic comedy so you already know it's going to have like that tuxedo Melvin tuxedo mask and Sailor Moon type aspect to it where Melvin tries to be suave and be something he's not and you know Serena is always in love with tuxedo mask so uh, Orange Road OVA thank you Kennedy for having me watch that I'm gonna actually going to try to finish up everything the whole series um, and I'm going to rewatch it again just to give it a second chance. The first time it really didn't hit me the way that I, f- I thought it would. Um, but I feel like it's just a, I feel like it's, it's a hidden gem just because there's not too many shows that have back in the day as either, you know, Rama one half is not really a love triangle. It's more like martial arts fighting and then comedy. Then Lupin the third, he loves Fujiko. Fujiko doesn't love him back. Um, but I enjoyed it. So, uh, again, that's Orange Road OVA. I don't want to linger on that anymore. Let's get to the next one before we hear from our next sponsor. Um, so the next one for me was Beautiful Bones, uh, Sakurako's Investigation. Now, this show, when I, I first saw it, mm, I don't know. I think I first saw it like a, just a couple of years ago. I think I was watching on Hulu. So you can find this one on Hulu, um, but I rewatched it on Crunchyroll. And it says the story centers around high school student uh, Sataro uh, Takawaki. Yeah, Takawaki. And the beautiful Sakuraku Kuji, who loves beautiful bones. Due to the nature of her interest, the two of them are involved in all kinds of incidents involving bones. And you you look at the first couple titles for the show, The Princess Who Loved Bones, Where Do You Live, The Bones That Slumber in Summer, and The Cursed Man Part 1. And basically, for me, this was so reminiscent of uh, the BBC British network, uh, Sherlock Holmes, how he has to think and put things together in his mind. Also, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes, how he's looking at the trajectory and the angle, the geometry of a punch. And then also Dr. House. Um, Hugh Laurie started in that show on Fox for, I think, seven or eight seasons. This is like the anime version of that because she's so immersed and intrigued with bones. She can look at it and tell the diameter of the humerus or the ulna radius and what happened to it. If there's something out of place, it was chipped here. And it's really like a CSI investigation deal. Now, I I see how it could get slow, um, but I enjoyed it. The artwork was phenomenal. I wish I was more immersed in artwork. So I could tell you guys about it, but I mean, I just love the artwork, the eyes, the hair, everything's free flowing. It, it, it makes me want to continue watching, even if the story's slow. Now, on top of that, for me, the story is how she gets involved with these bones and then how she solves these mysteries. Cause she looks at one and says, Oh, this was X amount of years ago. And what happened was the lover was, it was a, uh, a murder of passion. And this should be here if this was going here. And I mean, just for me as a professional uh, kinesiologist, that was what I got my degree in listening to somebody talk about the bones, how it's chipped or splintered here. That would cause a heavy indent on this side, which would put more pressure on the liver, which when we look back at this case, you know, makes sense that there was blue fingertips because they weren't getting proper blood flow or X, Y, and Z that really intrigued me. So not only this show, but there's anime that do that where they actually explain stuff to people that, that know the terminology. So that got me right off the bat. And then you have a high school kid with this older woman and it seems like she just enjoys being around him. So is her love life in shambles? Is she, you know, crushing on this kid? What's going on? But really you see the interest and the, and the, um, the professionalism with the bones and the way that she determined, you know, determines what happens by the bones and the police have to work with her, even though sometimes they're reluctant. 
I love that dynamic. It reminds me, don't want to say it again, but in, uh, Inspector Zinagata from Lupin the Third, how he's always after Lupin, but sometimes he has to work with him. It's kind of the same premise, uh, but the show is really beautiful. There's a there's a love story there between her and the Bones and her and uh, her sidekick, uh, Takawaki. Um, go check that out. That is a very good one. I got wrapped up into it and finished the season, uh, and I went back to it very easily. I, I loved it. Um, and again, like I said, that's Beautiful Bones. I first watched it on Hulu. I think it's still in the Hulu library. If not, you can find it on Crunchyroll. So with that, let's hear from our second sponsor. This is Richard Taplin, host of Black & Studios' The Black Box. Join Elijah Bailey and myself as we explore new topics on how to self-improve ourselves and also find out about everything that's going on behind the scenes at Black & Studios. Please be sure to follow us at Black & Studios on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and also come to our website, blackandstudios.com, where you can find all the podcasts we record here. And to find this show, just type in Black & Studios, The Black Box on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. Once again, thank you for your support, and remember, it's Black & We at A-Log on the Airways would like to remind you a little bit about our competition. I mean, have you heard these other guys? Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for listening to our radio station. Hey! What the hell is that? You need a show that has a lot more humor. But this? Radio's never hit for you. Turning up as loud as you get a party. As if. You want to hear something that is not from some lily liver, no humor candy? Then take a listen to A-Log on the Airways every Saturday night from 7 to 10 Eastern Standard Time, only on madmusic.com and archive.org. Not a bad idea now, is it? All right, and we're back, and that was uh, one of our friends who actually sent us an email, Mr. Arthur A-Log Legato from the A-Log on the Airwaves, and he actually does different kind of theme music, some anime-specific, some other songs, and it's a very good podcast. You need to check that out. Um, he sent that to us after he he contacted us before he knew Monica wasn't going to be on the show, and we wanted to put that in because we appreciate everything you guys do. Again, uh, Ashley Rose, um, when I talked about artwork on a couple shows just a minute ago that I watched, Ashley Rose is on the IGN Anime Club, so shout out Ashley, how are you going? How you doing? How you going? I'm, I'm not good with words right now, but thank you for always investing in IGN Anime Club and investing in what we do. We had a conversation about artwork and art being her medium. I think she'd be a great uh, guest on the show to talk about artwork, and I would ask her about that art style for Beautiful Bones. Um, but for everybody that sends stuff into us and tries to contact us and engages us and, and enters in the contest, thank you again. Uh, really appreciate it. It, it. it makes us feel so good that we're providing something that you guys like, and it's, just, it's different from your other podcasting uh, anime forums because you have IGN Anime Club, uh, New Anime World Order, Crunchy Cast, and so many more. So thank you guys for for tuning in every other week for this show. Um, so now uh, we have only two more shows left. Uh, we had three, Noragami, and I left it off the list. And I'm so sorry I forgot to watch Noragami. But the artwork, the, the um, uh, cover got me interested. When I looked at the cover, I was like, man, that looks pretty cool. And I think, actually, I might have found it on Hulu, uh, first off. And this is one that Nikki's seen. I haven't seen it yet. Um, 
but it just looks so intriguing. It reminds me of just like a God dang it. Almost like Tokyo Ghoul, which we're getting ready to talk about now. But it says uh, Yato may be a minor god, but he's got a plan to make it big. Unfortunately, things just don't seem to be going his way. He doesn't have a single shrine dedicated to him. His partner has just quit, and now he's got to go find a new divine weapon. So that's Noragami, and I plan on watching that today right after I leave here. Uh, I don't know how it slipped through my fingers. I missed it. Very sorry. Um, but it looks so intriguing, and I, I just got wrapped up. But uh, we'll talk about it on episode uh, episode 9 with Monica. Uh, because she's seen it, and by that time I'll see it. So I don't want to leave anything out. But let's roll right to Tokyo Ghoul. Tokyo Ghoul was one of my favorites. I started watching that on Hulu as well. Um, you can find that on YouTube, um, Funimation. The only thing with Tokyo Ghoul is they censor so much of it, you don't get the true story and all the bloodshed and the gore because it is a horror vampire thriller. Um, so the story revolves around Ken uh, Kaniki, a college student who barely is surviving a daily encounter with and I always say this wrong, Riza, Riz, it's R-I-Z-E, uh, Kamashiro. Uh, his date, who um, he meets in the coffee shop, so sh- his date, she reveals herself as a ghoul, and that's what they call vampires in this town, or I guess all over the world. He is taken to a hospital in critical condition. After recovering, Kaniki discovers uh, that he underwent a surgery that transformed his body, and he is half ghoul now. Uh, this was accomplished because of... Rises, Rizes, and I, I'm going to keep saying it back and forth just because I, I can't remember how to pronounce her name. Uh, the organs were transferred into his body, and now, like normal ghouls, he must consume human fest, flesh to survive. The ghouls who manage the coffee shop uh, take him in and teach him how to deal with his new life as a half ghoul. Uh, some of his daily struggles include fighting in uh, in the ghoul society, but always keeping his identity hidden from the human uh, companion. So, in this world, ghouls are really, really frowned upon. And Rise, Riz, uh, she was a glutton, and that's what they called her because she would just eat and eat and consume without a care in the world. So she takes him on a date. Um, next thing you know, somebody sees him get an attack, and they drop a sign on her, and she dies. So like I said, they take him to the hospital. They, they you know, transfer the organs. He goes back home, and he doesn't have an appetite. And when he does eat human food, he throws it up, and he thinks it's just a side effect of the surgery. Later, come to find out, he starts hearing people's heartbeats. They start smelling delicious to him. His mouth starts watering, and he almost attacks somebody to kill them. But he is so... Uh, had there's been like something so impactful in his life to where he's like, I'm, I'm human. I don't want to eat people. He almost kills himself within the first couple episodes because he will not feed on human flesh. And so this coffee shop where you have, it's almost like West side story or twilight. You have good ghouls and bad ghouls. Well, these good ghouls that have the coffee shop, they try to keep the peace and keep people hidden because ghouls want to live, uh, in tandem with humans. Uh, they admire humans for being able to eat different foods and stuff like that. They're not dependent on flesh. And so he befriends these ghouls and starts down his path of becoming a half ghoul. Um, and you've probably seen pictures of, of Ken. He has like an eye patch over his eye and he takes it off. His eyes are red. His hair is white in season two, but it stays his traditional color of black in season one. And you fig- you find out why as you go on through the series. But this huge battle is breaking out. The humans have this agency where they, when they kill a ghoul, each ghoul is different. Some ghouls have like big butterflies to use as we- or butterfly wings to use as weapons. Some have tentacles. Some have spears or they can shoot uh, chrysalis type. Um, 
jewels out of their back as, as sharp objects. So each ghoul has a different weapon. And what happens is when the agency kills them, they take whatever their weapon is and they t- put it on like a sword or, or they put it in a briefcase that can transform into like a uh, sword, a spear, a whip. And they use that to fight other ghouls and kill them uh, because they only see ghouls as a problem. So it's really like an acceptance story. We're ghouls. Not all of us are bad. Some of us, um, they try to live the human life. Like one of them that befriends him really wants to be human because her friends are human. So she she will try to digest human food. But if a ghoul does that and they keep food in their system too long, they'll end up killing themselves. So what they do is they have to put it in the back of their throat or swallow it a little bit and then get home and puke it up. And they need to consume flesh. Now, this good group of ghouls, they go to different places where people commit suicide and they take the body parts from there. Or they have like a pack. Somebody's going to kill themselves they sign a letter and say you can use my body parts to do this and they can do they can consume it that way um and also coffee is something that ghouls can drink i don't know if it has human flesh in it or not but they can drink that and it'll it'll kind of subside their urges and their hunger and it's just about this whole deal i was human i got transformed without you know being turned i just have these organs and i have organs of one of the most gluttonous ghouls there is, how do I deal with that? I don't want to fight humans. I just want to live my life. I want to get back to normal because I'm losing everything that I had. And that's, that's basically the story of Tokyo Ghoul. It's kind of sad, but there's some empowerment and there's some other things that go on that, that change your aspect of what a ghoul is and humanity not being accepting of others. So Tokyo Ghoul is by far a 10 for me. I wish they would show all the, the um, censored stuff that they don't right now. Uh, hopefully I can find that because I love the show. I mean, I watched that within a week's top season one and season two, and I went out and bought it on Blu-ray um, through the walmart.com. So you can buy it on Blu-ray. You can go to Funimation. Like I said, you can go to Hulu and watch it. It's a great show. I give it a 10. Uh, last one is the, uh, we heard this commercial earlier from my hero academia. Uh, it says Izuku Midoriya, uh, Midoriya, Jeez, I can't read today. Uh, is a regular middle school student in the world where people with superpowers known as quirks are the norm. However, he dreams of one day becoming a hero despite being bullied by his classmate for not having any quirks. After being the only one to try and save his childhood, fr- his friend Bully, which his name is uh, Katsuki, uh, from a villain. I'll tell you that story here in a minute. All Might, the world's greatest hero, bestows upon him his own quirk called One for All. And see how I did that at the end of the commercial? I mean, I didn't do that, but All Might did. www.oneforall.com. And it says, the story follows Izuku's entrance into the UA High School, a school that cultivates the next generation of heroes. So he, um, each kid is not bestowed a quirk, but they get a quirk around the age of four. And you notice it because they're missing a joint in their pinky toe on one of their feet. Well, Izuku is going, he's, he's, you know, excited to watch heroes. He's recording everything and All Might is his all time favorite hero. And he finds out that he has no quirk. He's too old. He has his bones and his joints in his foot. His mom even has a quirk to make small objects come to her. And he just wants to be a hero. That's what he's idolized. And so he finds out that he can't. And a villain attacks him that's made out of like sludge. All Might comes and saves the day because it it encapsulates Izuki's body. He can't breathe because he's made out of fluid. He's trying to pull off the goo, but he can't. He's suffocating. All Might 
does a punch called the Texas Smash. The shockwave from that punch, almost like when uh, Goku was fighting uh, Chi-Chi in the Dragon Ball uh, Tenkaichi tournament uh, right before they got married, that shockwave knocks the monster back. All Might captures it in like a Coke leader bottle, and then he signs Iziku's book. And this is the 13th uh, installment of Iziku's superhero uh, data sheet. So he records um, villains, superheroes, what their moves are, and studies them so he can be a better superhero one day because he still has hopes that he'll get a quirk and he'll be a hero. But you notice that everybody makes fun of him because he doesn't have a quirk. He can't be a hero, and yet he has this foolish dream. Um, and so after All Might saves him, that's the highlight of his day. You know, like any middle schooler, All Might jumps super super high, and next thing you know, he's he's hanging on to All Might's leg because he wants to stay with his, his superhero. And this is where the comedy ensues. Almost like, get off my leg, and he's there in the sky battling a little bit. You see the little anime clouds around him. And he's like, no, I can't just let go of here. I'll die. And All Might's like, okay. All Might lands on the roof, and they start having a conversation. He's like, man, I'm just so sorry. I want to ask you a question. Can somebody without a quirk actually be a hero. Next thing you know, boom, we find out a secret about All Might. He was injured about five years back in a battle that Iziku knows about, and he can only, his superpower is really inflating his body, and he can only keep it for three hours a day. And so Iziku sees what All Might really looks like, and is kind of thrown back. He's like, what am I, oh my God, you're not All Might, and you're not this. And uh, he asks him that question, and All Might's like, the job that we go out and do is very dangerous. That's where the scar came from. If you want to be a hero, you need to have a quirk. And it just shadows his world because when the doctor told him he couldn't be a hero, he was devastated. Now his all-time favorite hero is telling him the same thing. And this show really starts pulling on your heartstring. You're like, man, I want Iziku to actually be able to have a quirk and at least start out on it. Even if it's not a grand quirk, I want him to be a superhero. And the whole deal is he he's like, no, you can't be a hero. And All Might starts to walk away and realizes he lost the, the villain. Next thing you know, the villain breaks out of the bottle, and who comes? Uh, Ka- uh, Katatsu Suki, the the kid that was bullying Izuku at the very beginning of episode one, gets attacked because his quirk is very unique, and that monster wants to take over his body and use it. And then next thing you know, uh, Izuku is instinctively walking to the place where this where he heard the bomb go off and sees the explosions. All Might is there, but All Might. You know, it's like, man, I can't transform. I've already used my three hours a day. And Iziku just sits there and he watches and he sees a kid in trouble and he just runs. All the other superheroes can't do anything because this villain's made out of sludge and liquid. So they can't punch him. They uh, Wood doesn't work on him. Fire's not working on him. Nobody's strong enough to get him. All Might has already expended all his energy. Iziku runs in, throws his backpack at him and starts like, just grabbing, trying to get the goo off his friend's face. Um, you know, even though it's not his friend, it's like a bully rival. And then All Might's like, what am I doing standing here? Next thing you know, Iziku's dodging. He's grabbing stuff to hit the monster with. Then he's about to get hit. All Might comes in and blocks, does the Detroit smash, blows the, the villain away. And then, you know, fast forward, he has another conversation with Izuki, and you learn that he is going to pass on his quirk. And his quirk is a combination of other great superheroes' quirks, um, combination in one called one for all. And that's where our story ends episode one with Izuku becoming the hero that he always wanted to be. That is a 10. Um, it was the anime of the season for most people. I love that show. I love superhero, uh, you know, shows. 
especially comic books. Now they have a superhero anime where it's a school full of superheroes. You have the bullies. You have people that have lesser powers that actually learn that they're important. A great show. Find that on Hulu and watch it right away. Um, I wouldn't even wait on that. Um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take one more commercial break before we get out of here. Uh, that was the last show I had to talk about. Um, next thing I want to do is answer some questions for you guys. This is Taylor Davis from Jot That Down Podcast, the show to designed to encourage, inspire, and stimulate conversation. You guys can follow me on Jot That Down Facebook page, Jot That Down Instagram, and at Jot That Down underscore TD on Twitter. I hope you guys join the conversation. Living in a post-apocalyptic dystopia, and you want to be the next generation Gundam warrior? Then go right now and enroll in the former King of Hearts, Master Asia's The School of the Undefeated of the East, where you'll learn how to take down Gundams with your bare hand and get a great catchphrase like, Look, the East is burning red. Go now to www.thewindoftheking.com to start down your path to getting your very own red headband, white sash, hair tied in a ponytail, and porn sash today. G Gundam. Man, we have G Gundam this time. Last time we had Dr. O. Last time we had G Resto Gundam uh, Scavengers. I, I mean, Master Asia, School of the Undefeated of the East. Man, it can't get any better than that. You couldn't write stuff better than this. And then the very first sponsor, Master Roshi's House of Pain. When you want the pain, you call Master Roshi. Man, I'm, I'm loving these sponsors. But that leads us to the next deal. We have questions from you, the audience. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Uh, and let's get right to it. First question uh, we have from Kendi Parker, and she asked, uh, "Are there any anime adaptations that you prefer to the anime or to the manga source material?" Um, for that question, for me personally, I would like I like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z versus the the manga version. Now, the manga, if you're if you're not watching Dragon Ball Kai, Dragon Ball Z, whatever it is and you're looking at the original original stuff, it keeps up with the source material, but you can actually see the action more. Um, being a martial artist, I love anything action-based. Grappler Baki is another one. I love the anime just because I can see the transitions uh, between movements with the character, and I think that's mainly where um, my love for animation versus manga lies. If I can see transitions for anything, then I'm going to like it better than the manga. If it's something where it's story-driven, um, drama, then I might like the manga more. Um, but it just has to be action driven. And next question, anime you've told yourself you'd watch soon for years, but just still haven't watched. Um, mainly with some of these, it took me a, the longest time to watch Parasite. Uh, it also took me a long time to, to get into, um, Ranma one half. I, I saw two or three episodes of Ranma and I said, I'd go back and watch it. And it took me about five years uh, typically just because my anime list just gets so long, um, I end up not watching stuff for a while and I forget about it. But since I started podcasting, uh, on my other show, the Elijah Bailey show, we've talked about anime and brought them back up. So I've hit that list pretty hard and, and went back and seen some other things that I really didn't think I'd watch. Um, Ninja Nonsense was one. I know Sean Simmel is one of the voice actors on that show. I watched the first two episodes and put it on hold for almost 10 years and so i'm just going back and watching stuff now but usually it's just because you add it to the list and you forget about it uh favorite anime 
in your least favorite genre of anime? Huh. My favorite anime and my least favorite genre. My least favorite genre would be um, Magical Girl. And I'd have to say that Sailor Moon is still one of my favorites. That's it was it was a good show when it came out on Toonami. Um and I compare other shows like that. So last week we talked about Nikki having me watch uh Cute High Earth Defense Force and I compare that straight to Sailor Moon. So anything that I see where there's a magical squad, um I have to compare it. Now Ronin Warriors, I, I wouldn't even say that that is a um the same genre as Sailor Moon, even though they, they're magical boys, they can transform. Um, I don't think I would say that. No, I wouldn't say they're the same. That's how to, that's action, anime, uh, martial arts. So it had to be Sailor Moon. Uh, next question. We got this from, from John. He says, what type of anime do you prefer? Uh, again, this goes back martial arts. I'm a martial artist. I started with martial arts, anime, uh, Speed Racer was the first one. I used to like racing uh, because the Dukes of Hazard was on whenever I watched TV, but it, it quickly shifted when I got to see a lot more action. Um, so martial arts anime, uh, Grappler Baki, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, what am I reaching now? Um, Shonryu. Um, God, there's just so many martial arts anime out there. And those would be my favorite type. I, I do try to be diverse and watch a lot of other stuff. That's why we came up with the segment, the anime watch swap. So I wouldn't just keep watching the same stuff. But it, it's most definitely martial arts. Uh, does artwork play a big role in how you pick anime, continue to watch anime, or feel about anime? Artwork? Not really. Because coming from an era where you had Outlaw Star... Cowboy Bebop and uh, Grappa Baki was originally grainy. They weren't the same kind of quality artwork. I can appreciate a anime for what it is. Um, so it doesn't really play a big role for me. Um, continuing to watch a show, if the artwork, very, it has to be very specific, kind of like uh, you know South Park. If it's, it's South Park and it just keeps getting worse, then I could, I could turn myself off and not want to watch anime. But usually I have an open mind for artwork because I want to see somebody's interpretation. The artwork doesn't, doesn't really necessarily um, distinguish the story. They don't go hand in hand. Sometimes the artwork complements it. Sometimes it doesn't, but I'm a real story driven person. And the last part of that question was, does it affect how I feel about anime? Very, very slightly. Uh, let's see. What is your craziest anime you've ever watched? Prison school. Prison school is probably the craziest one. I saw a couple of clips on YouTube of it when it came out and I thought it was just a lot of comedy and it turned out to be almost hentai, etchy, uh, harem-esque, just vulgar uh, anime. So I'd say prison school. Uh, next question is, where do you find all your anime? I don't have one specific source. Uh, I would if they sponsored us. <laughs> But they don't. But I, I, I dabble around because some places don't have the shows I want to watch. So Hulu, Netflix has been doing a good job with anime. Uh, Crunchyroll, Kiss Anime. And I only got on Kiss Anime within last year. Usually uh, usually I go to goodanime.net. Um, there's some other sites that got closed down. But I, I try to dabble. It just depends. If I'm looking for new and current stuff, Funimation or Crunchyroll first. Because they're going to have that stuff. The only thing is you have to have a subscription uh, you know, to watch the shows without the ads. And I'm very, very cheap. So I watch all the ads, no matter if they play them five or six times. 
Uh, next question is, as an anime podcast, do you feel the industry is being supported by fans? Yes and no. Um, and I, I walk the line on this because Dragon Ball Super is not out yet officially <laughs> in the U.S. And I still watch episodes. But when it does come out, I'll still support on Crunchyroll, Funima Funimation, wherever it comes out on and watch it there. I, I think fans really just want anime that they want because there's a there's little anime that make it over here. And so I think they go by any means necessary to watch. So I'd say the majority of anime fans don't support the industry because they're just trying to get content in. They don't want to wait months or years for something to come over to America when it's out in, in Japan. And so they try to find it by any means. I think if we do start supporting the industry by waiting for it to come out and or just petitioning and letting them know that we want it. Because when we when we buy DVDs, Blu-rays, when we subscribe to Crunchyroll Funimation, it lets... Um, not only that company, but companies that they're partner with overseas know that we like those shows and we want those shows. And so they start to produce a little bit more. And that's a way that we can help the industry. Just right now, I don't think that's what we're doing. Uh, do you have trouble getting people to watch anime? Yes. Most notably, my wife. She doesn't watch all the anime I watch. She watches probably about three shows. And you start explaining it to somebody. And they're sitting there like, hmm, I wonder... You know, is that going to be like a Tom and Jerry cartoon or is this and that? And anime is a lot different than cartoon because it's, it's made. We, we went through it. Episode four uh, and back to basics. One on one. What type of genre animes they are uh, for people to watch and what age group. So you just have to make sure like Shin Chan is not for kids, even though it looks like for kids. It's an adult themed show. And I think that's something that's lighthearted and, and humorous uh, with adult themes in there that people can watch. But trying to get them to watch it is, is the hard part. Uh, the last question, where do I start if I want to watch anime? What should I look for? What genre type would be the best for a 25-year-old male or female? Uh, start with something that you like. It's just like reading a book. I'm not going to tell you to read a history book if you hate history or read a math book if you hate math. If you like action, um, I mean, now with all these the uh, sources at play, go to Crunchyroll, type in genre action. If you like sports, then just look in sports and just look for your sport. If it's football, baseball, soccer, they have anime for you. Um, typically, I would try to start somebody, no matter what age they're at, not on a show that has a lot of mental aspects to it, to where you have to think a lot. I wouldn't start somebody off on something that's a long story. I always try to start people off with Cowboy Bebop because it's a classic. Uh, I mean, you just have to watch it. Don't compare other shows to it, but but watch that one because the music, everything went together. Each episode was individual, but as a whole, those 26 episodes brought the story together for each person on the Bebop, and the music was there. So, you know, my, my secret answer is Cowboy Bebop, but, you know, just watch what you love. And that's the last of the questions that we have for the show today. Uh, thank you guys for sending in these shows. We're going to have to put, like, a limit on shows that people send in that we review. Um, but this really challenged me to actually watch uh, four episodes of each of these or, or watch the whole movie and then kind of get a feel for it so that way I could kind of describe it to you. I don't want to give away anything. I'm, I'm known for spoiling stuff. I want you guys to watch these shows. Go out and see them. Uh, today's ep uh, shows that we talked about, The Asterisk Wars, Parasite, Lensman, The Secret of the Lens, Orange Road OVA, which is only found on uh, Kiss Anime, uh, beautiful bones my hero academia and tokyo ghoul with that being said keep sending your questions those were good questions especially the industry questions we haven't had questions about the anime industry or voice acting or anything yet um it's a lot easier than you know what anime should i watch because i don't know you personally um but i'm going to give you my recommendation next week nikki will be back 
Uh, that'll be episode nine, episode 10 and 11. We have a special crossover episode. that's going to be kind of arrow and flash style. So be prepared for that. And then also answer the giveaway question. Who would win between dark Gundam, uh, Liger and all of his form, uh, from Zoids. And then also Voltron. You, once you answer that question, we will let you know. Well, um, I think I, I let the cat out of the bag last night. Valerie's making Pokemon bath bombs for you guys. Uh, so let us know. Uh, we'll pick a winner. Hopefully we can get Screw Attack to do it on YouTube so that way you can guys see the battle, see who they pick as the winner, and then we'll need your address. Email that at little.bit.o.anime at gmail.com. Always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at bitoanime, and then follow us on our Facebook page, A Little Bit of Anime. Uh, make sure that when you go to iTunes, first thing you do before you listen to an episode is subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. It boosts our numbers, makes it easier for people to find the podcast, and lets I know, iTunes know that we like what we're doing and you like it as well. Always rate and review. That way we can comment back to you and we can see what you guys think and improve on the show. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to a little bit of anime. I'm Elijah Bailey. Again, you're an eager anime enthusiast. Uh, any questions you have, send them in. Email them. Tweet them. Facebook them. Always stay engaged with us. We're always putting content out about the latest and greatest stuff that's happening in the anime world right now. And with that, I will see you guys next time.